The Carter Report presents Living Victoriously. Secrets of Success from Prime Minister Daniel of Babylon City with your host, John Carter. Topic today is Living Victoriously, Part 2 your fabulous future. I want to tell you two stories. The first one is about an old Australian farmer. He used to look after sheep and also used to milk cows. His name was Cliff Young. And this happened in 1983, so quite a long time ago. Cliff was 61 years of age. Now, in Australia, they have a marathon. It is a super, super marathon. They run from Melbourne to Sydney, and that's a distance of about 540 miles. That's a long way to run a marathon. And the people who go into this marathon are young guys. They're fit. They're some of the world's best athletes. And just before the marathon started, Cliff turned up. (laughs) In his in his rubber boots, and they said, uh, "You've come to just watch the starters." No, no, he said, "I've come to run." <laughs> they had lots of television cameras there, and they said, "Go home, old man." Uh, he he said, "No, I'm going to do it." They said, "You're not going to get a, a mile off the road." Let me tell you what happened. He started out. It became famous as his shuffle. He used to get along like this shuffling along, and uh, what the great athletes would do, they would run for 18 hours. Can you believe this? And then they would rest for six hours. Then they would start again. Nobody told Cliff. So he ran 18 hours, and he ran through the night. Then he ran the next day, and he ran through the next night, and he ran the next day, getting along like this, the famous, the famous shuffle which became the way they eventually decided to do this race. By the fifth night, he'd caught up with the team. In fact, they were having a sleep. He won by a mile. Yeah. He absolutely won the race. It was amazing. He went faster and further, well, not further, but he went faster than anybody else 61 years of age. So what can you learn from this? (laughs) Don't count the old guy out yet. (laughs) It's my birthday today. Now, number two, number two. Keep your eye on the goal. Don't give up. Don't look back. Don't look down. Look straight ahead and keep on going. And if you do this, you're going to get to the new Jerusalem, the great city. Now here, here, is, here comes the second story. I was out in Australia a few months ago, summertime, quite hot. It's about 90 degrees. And I was staying at a place overlooking the ocean in north New South Wales at a beautiful little place called Terranora. And late in the day, I went out and I stood on the veranda, my veranda. I looked out over the ocean and there was a tremendous storm. The house was actually shaking with the thunder. The lightning was flashing. 
About 10 miles to the north is an airport called Coolangatter. And a jet plane had just taken off. And I thought, what on earth is he doing? He's taking off in this storm. And so I stood there somewhat transfixed at the sight of this jet plane flying right in the, into this tremendous storm. And then I saw it, a little chink in the clouds, like a man's hand. And the jet plane went right through the little window of opportunity and I could see through the chink in the clouds. I could see through the window and I could see the blue sky where the sun was shining. I want you to know this. There's a tremendous storm coming. There's a tremendous storm coming around the world. There's a tremendous storm coming to America. Yeah. There's a tremendous storm that's going to shake the world. But I want you to know there's a window and we can see beyond the storm and we can see glory ahead. I want you to know this, that if you believe this, you will have a peace and a joy that transcends human understanding. I have seen the window. Now the title, the specific title for today's meeting is this, Your Wonderful Future in a New World. I hear people say that they're going to make America great again, that they're going to make the world great again. I want you to know something. You can't make anything great unless God is in the very midst of it. Hear what I'm saying? But the day is coming when God is going to make this world great again for the people of God. And so the best is yet to be. I want you to come now to Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. And we're turning to the prophet Daniel. He wrote this from the, from the city of Babylon. And he wrote this about... Two and a half thousand years ago, Daniel chapter 2 and uh, verse 1. So glad that you folks are with us today. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Nebuchadnezzar was a young man. The most powerful man in the world was Nebuchadnezzar but can I tell you something he couldn't sleep because power is not enough to give you a good night's sleep America today is finding it very difficult to sleep because peace is not tied up with money and banks, and personal financial prosperity. This young guy had more money than we could bring. And so we're going to talk today also about the way to peace because there is a way to peace. I want you to notice Daniel chapter 2, verses 2 to 6. Daniel 2, 2 to 6. Then the king gave the command to call the magician the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, tell the king his dream. So he has this dream. So they came and stood before the king. The king said to them, I've had a dream. Spirit has 
anxious, troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. This is a great meeting that we're having here today for a skeptic and an atheist. Because two and a half thousand years ago, this young man probably in his early 20s had a dream. We're going to see today that this dream, you don't have to believe this at this stage, this dream foretold uh, the history of civilization and it tells us about the day when America is going to be great again and the world is going to be great again. Your wonderful future. Uh, he was terribly intolerant, of course, because he was a pagan. In Babylon, there was no democracy and there was no freedom. Of course, you are aware of the statement of the great Winston Churchill who said that democracy, he said, is the very worst form of government, he said, in all the world, except all the other systems. <laughs> you want to know why we have democracy? You want to know why we have democracy? Democracy is the fruitage of the teachings of Christ. A lot of people don't know that. But Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The Bible teaches freedom. People say, but you, you don't have freedom to be wrong. Yes, you do. You have freedom to make the wrong choice. That's what freedom is. You've got freedom to choose. But in old Babylon, there was no democracy because they did not have the man who said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Look at Daniel 2, verses 7 to 13, dear hearts. Daniel 2, 7 to 13. The king answered, uh, they answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certainty that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you, for you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation, which is completely logical. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There's not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For the, that's the teaching of paganism. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they saw Daniel and his companions to kill them. Uh, this 
passage teaches the futility of pagan religions. Not all gods are of equal worth. Political correctness tells us in America that all religions are of equal worth. Now, we believe in freedom of all religions. We believe in the right of Muslims to worship as they are guided by the dictates of their conscience. We believe the Catholics have the right and the Buddhists and the Protestants and the atheists have the right not to worship. That's freedom. But not all religions are of equal worth. And here, the pagan soothsayers and magicians are unmasked because they cannot tell the king his dream. Because who knows what a man dreams. Now please notice Daniel 2, 14 to 19. Daniel 2, 14 to 19. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who'd gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And verse 19 says, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. I'd like to remind every person sitting here tonight in our studio in Southern California, you've come here to study the Word of God. All of these people here are young people. Usually if you go to church councils, you see lots of white hair. But this was a church council with a young man, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were probably teenagers, at the most 20 years of age. Now, the wonderful thing is this. Young people believe that the impossible is possible. Thank God for young people. They're not old enough to be cynical to learn that it can't be done. God has often used young men and women to do extraordinary deeds. Esther who became the wife of Xerxes in Persia. Joseph, just a boy, who became the prime minister of Egypt. David, a shepherd boy, became the king. Jesus, about 30 years of age when he started his preaching. John the Baptist, just a young man like Jesus. The disciples, with the possible exception of Peter, young men. Mary Magdalene. A young woman, Paul, the Bible calls him a young man. John Wesley of Oxford University, just a young man. George Whitfield, when he came to America, the greatest preacher that America had ever seen up to that time. They lifted him up, stood him on a table, 
And when people came down to see George Whitfield, uh, who could preach to the thousands and the thousands with a voice like a silver bell, they said, how young he is. So you don't have to be an old fogey before you can start doing something for God. Charles Spurgeon, some say the greatest preacher since the Apostle Paul, preached twice on Sundays in his congregation, in his church that seated 6,000. Started that when he was about 18 or 19. Alan White, who was a girl in her teens. Pastor Bacheco, my friend from El Salvador, who's been preaching since he was eight, nine, or 10. And the greatest days are ahead for young people. God is going to raise them up. God is looking for young men and young women to preach the gospel. Now, God called me when I was 15 years of age. And since I have been 8, 17 or 18, I've been preaching the gospel. Beverly told me last night that together, since we've been married, we have 110 years together preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Beverly, you're doing good. (laughs) This is an appeal to young people. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sell yourself short. Don't be put down by old people who say, can't be done. Just because they can't do it, it doesn't mean it can't be done. It can be done, it will be done, and it must be done for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Yeah, Daniel chapter 2, 19 to 23 now. Daniel 2, 19 to 23. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He does that too with presidents. All sorts of people. And ministers too. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. Knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. And light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you. For I thank for you have made known to us the king's demand. And so the king had a dream. These young boys went and asked mercies of the God of heaven. And they told them what the king had dreamed. I want you to know this. The Bible says he sets up kings, puts down kings. God is the sovereign Lord God. He's in charge. Many years ago at Avondale College, I had a great friend who became a great minister of the gospel, Ian Johnson. And once we were out walking on a Sabbath afternoon, Ian had, he was a married student, had his little boy. And his little boy was throwing stones and knocking over the pot or the can. And he said, he thinks he's doing it but Ian was throwing the stones behind him. 
I want you to know that we need to take a good look at the person behind us who is throwing the stones, who is scoring the shots. You know who it is? There's someone standing in the shadows. Now read on Daniel 2, 25 to 28. Then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I've seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, uh, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers, Cannot declare to the king, verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Now listen to me. What the world's smartest people can't do, God can use his humble servants to do because there is a God in heaven. Let me talk to you for a moment about the new insanity. People say, the world's gone crazy. (laughs) the new insanity. You know what is taught in every secular university in America and in the world? Listen, nothing produced everything. Non-life produced life. Randomness produced fine-tuning. Chaos produced information. Unconsciousness produced Consciousness, non-reason produced reason. This doctrine that was born in the heart of a man in England, a good man and a great man, a man who wanted to become a minister, a member of the established church, the Church of England, who was married to a devout Christian, Charles Darwin, who wrote the book on the origin of the species and why certain races are favored above other races. That's never quoted today. Why certain races are favored above other races and who gave to the world the idea, the survival of the fittest whose teachings were worked over by Frederick Nietzsche, who talked about the coming of the Superman, that might is right. And then later on, the Fuhrer, Adolf Hitler, slept at night with a copy of Der Antichrist by Nietzsche under his pillow. 
and he followed the teachings of Darwinism, that the weak go to the wall, and the master race survives. This is the new insanity. Do you wonder why my American friends, why we have fake news, fake ideas, why we hear it from the politicians, why we hear it in the media, why we hear it across the street, why people no longer, so many people no longer have a sense of right and wrong, that might is right and the weak go to the wall and if I can push you off the freeway with my truck, so be it. People say the world has become insane. Atheism and the new, now there are many very good atheists who don't think through the logical conclusions of their beliefs. But if there is no God, there is no good, said Nietzsche, and he was right. But the great message that comes ringing down the corridors of time from the dust heaps of Babylon is this. There is a God in heaven. Yeah. You cannot eliminate the God of heaven. You can pontificate. You can get up and say, there is no God. You can say, mind came from no mind. You can say, reason came from no reason. That consciousness came from unconsciousness. You can say this and... uh, The fruitage of that teaching is lunacy. Now, we'll be back in a moment as we talk about your fabulous future. We should never say something is impossible because Jesus said, With God, all things are possible. It seems impossible to think that a group of Americans, Australians, could come here to Castro's communist Cuba and preach the gospel. We're here with the permission of the Cuban government. We've got special visas so we can preach here. I've had the privilege of preaching in the most difficult places, Moscow, all across Russia, all around Ukraine, dangerous places in Africa. But this is one of the biggest miracles of all. Here we are, the Carter Report team, just a little team. (laughs) But we're here by the grace of God, because with God, all things are possible. But God works through people. He's working, glory be to God, we believe through us. But He's also working, my friend, through you because of your prayers and your support, and your gifts, these people, many of them, are hearing the true gospel of Christ for the first time. So my heart is full of thanks to God and to you today. Would you please drop me a line? John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. 
And of course, you can write to me at Terry Gold in Australia. Let's get a fire going in this country. We have established a beachhead on the shores of Castro's Cuba, a gospel beachhead, not a military one. We are the ambassadors of peace, and we've come here to preach the gospel of peace. Stand with us, and thank you for your support. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.